Welcome to the ChatGPT Report. I'm your host, Ryan, and today we have a very special guest with us. His name is Alex Lertzman, and for over 20 years, Alex has led data, innovation, and digital strategy for global brands. He's the co-founder and chief strategist of Ready, Set, Rocket, a digital, a digital ad agency in New York. Additionally, Alex is the CEO of Coral, Coral Data, a VC-backed AI and analytics platform. Very excited to hear his thoughts. So without further ado, let's begin, team. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Alex, we are, I'm very excited to have you on today. Um, you know, we, I got your information. I was able, we could, we could connect here. So we'll make it quick because our episodes are always about 10 to 20 minutes. So Alex, first thing out the gates here is in 2016, you had a quote that said, it's not digital for the sake of being digital. It's digital because that's where the customer is, right? And given six, seven years uh, in this statement, how much, you know, even from that time, what did you see that made you say this? Because it ended up being correct, you know? Yeah, I guess like maybe you're giving me a little too much credit. I didn't see that as a trend. It was more of an observation, right? I think when the world became mobile first uh, by 2016 and uh, everyone was already glued to their phones, the line uh, there was already sort of um, uh, consumption of digital content was already eclipsing uh, non-digital content, right? And obviously since then, uh, that line, uh, I feel like that line has blurred completely, right? Where there is uh, more consumption of digital content than non-digital content. There's more uh, more ad spend on digital media than mainstream media. So I feel like that line is even further blurred these days. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, it, it, it did come from 2016 and that was, you know, that we, we were only a couple iPhone inter- iterations in. And so to even kind of showcase that and now where we're at now, like you said, I liked what you said there where we were glued to our, we're glued to our phones now and our computers. So it, you, you nailed it perfectly there. So I will give you credit where credit's due. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate it. Yeah. So let's kind of tie back into AI and everything that's been going on and given all that's come out with AI, how do you see startups because you're you're familiar with this area pivot knowing that their days could be numbered from groups like OpenAI, Bard, and even the likes of Claude. Yeah, I mean absolutely. I think a lot of uh, a lot of startups uh, came onto the scene within the last, you know, frankly within the last year, and they were essentially a wrapper for OpenAI, right? And I feel that a lot of those have been successful in. Uh, generating massive valuations, driving investments, and turning those investments and uh, into pure acquisition, right? Instead of taking those investments from VCs and uh, piling those into R&D, it was more, how do we now acquire as many customers as possible? I think last week was a massive, massive mm-hmm. uh, disruption to that business. Uh, if I am being conservative, I think probably half of startups 
uh, probably had a, um, a wrecking ball uh, brought to their business model when uh, OpenAI uh, when OpenAI had massive releases. I think that's going to continue to be the case. So, I think startups that have actual <clears throat> competitive moats that actually provide real value that can't be uh, that can't just be purchased through OpenAI. I think are going to be incredibly successful ones that are focused on actually providing real value. And I think anybody that is creating a wrapper, I think it's it's going to be harder and harder to justify um, uh, justify their existence. Yeah, yeah, I I like what you said with that too because it was it was the Dev Day specifically where they unleashed those GPTs, those personal GPTs, and it it really to me. It, you know, the real players are going to rise to the challenge. The real technology that these startups have will be able to showcase, hey, even with all these new things coming down the line, we still stand out and we still have a product here where I think if you were really just skimming by and just, hey, we can, you know, like you mentioned, just kind of on the, the surface level, I, I think they might get a little, um, they, they might be a little hurt because of what's been going on there. So, so I appreciate that answer. And, and with that, I, I wonder if this ties in with this. One of the questions I have here is, you know, what is something you see coming down the line in AI that concerns you? And, and that might be already be this announcement last week from OpenAI with their GPTs. But, you know, what is a fear of AI that you see that, you know, is very, very close? Yeah, well, I sort of look at it's obviously a uh, two-sided coin. I think the massive opportunities that AI is creating is uh, making it easier for people to make smarter decisions faster, Korea, having an actual um, co-pilot uh, mm-hmm. sort of in uh, helping you do work in a more capable way, being uh, faster at your job. Uh, and I think the flip side of that is obviously how does that impact future workforce, right? When we are thinking about sort of like AI augmenting how we work, what is the value of an intern or an entry-level employee, right? Mm-hmm. And if you can sort of make the argument that, look, uh, uh, AI is my new intern, is my entry-level employee that I'm training on the job on my data on my knowledge of my company and is incredibly effective at doing this. I guess with the challenge that uh, gets created is how does the next generation uh, of employees or knowledge workers get into the workplace? How do they actually build, uh, build the skills necessary? And that's one of those uh, fears that I have around sort of the labor market is as we, as we create, better technology and make it simpler for people to use AI, I think it's also creating a bigger challenge for labor markets as well. Yeah. And and I, I completely agree with that. I think what's interesting too is, you know, I, I say all the time on my show, it's not it's not AI that's going to take your job. It's somebody that knows how to use it that will will I think take your job because it adds like you mentioned with Copilot adds a lot more uh, uh, it's like a, a tool more so to add to it. And something I, I think a lot of people aren't talking about is, you know, people entering the workforce, for, especially from college, I think they use OpenAI, BARD, these these uh, LLMs a lot more than some of the older folks do. And I wonder if them coming in will actually take jobs from 
you know, the older individuals in the field who aren't utilizing it as much as they possibly are. And I bring up a, a fun little stat here wherein I think it was uh, beginning of August, OpenAI at ChatGPT, they had a very low uh, usage rate. And my take on it was, I wonder if it's truly because no one's at college and all, you know, the rates are really low. Cause if I was in college and open AI happened or, or, or chat GPT happened, I, it, it would have helped me with my homework immensely, you know? <laughs> so I, yeah. I'm curious to see what the labor force moves on. Um, and from there, I, I mentioned too here, you know, that's one of your fears. My fears is, is insider trading really, because I think the financial markets are going to be really interesting to see what happens in, in, in that where, you know, an AI can write a story and say, Hey, this, this stock price is going up. Uh, you know, I think it's going up and then short the stock while everyone else buys it and then it collapses or, or vice versa. So I, I wonder how it's going to affect in there as well. Now, let's talk. Yeah, I guess. Nope, go ahead. Keep going. I, well, I was going to say uh, to that point, obviously, it, anybody can create anything. Anybody can create any level of content. I think the barriers are uh, getting sort of like the barriers are disappearing. And uh, whether it's insider trading, to your point, it's uh, malicious actors, it's uh, what's going to happen with the next election. I think that mm-hmm. there's obviously a lot of challenges when anybody can create content uh, so quickly uh, through a few prompts, right? So I think, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, especially the election cycle. I mean, I I, we had a, I ran a story a couple months ago when I think it was the Republican Party had put a um a piece together, and it, it if you didn't know it was AI that was making it, it was it was basically Mid Journey that they had used. You wouldn't have had any idea that it was obviously AI unless you were in the space. And so I'm kind of concerned because, you know, think about a year from now, what both sides are going to use against each other in AI for the political ads and everything. That's, it's not going to be a fun election. I don't think so. That's, no. that's, that's just my take on it. I might have to go dark in that time, <laughs> but yeah, well, let's, let's talk above the hood of AI a little bit um, simply because I'm not a true coder. I, I've never told my audience that, and I get lost in the weeds a lot of times here, you know, what is a practical use of AI for everyday people like myself who are not building backends with it or who are not building a company with it? What do you think is something that the everyday person like myself could use it for? And I'm being very broad here by using the term AI. I mean, the way that I think about it is, uh, it's, uh, again, thinking about this as your co-pilot, your, your intern, your, uh, but instead of just having one intern, you have thousands of interns, right? So thinking about this podcast, in preparing for this podcast, how do you generate questions? How do you figure out, uh, based on somebody's LinkedIn profile and uh, previous podcasts, what are the most ideal questions to ask them to keep your uh, to keep your audience engaged? How do you uh, edit down this podcast, right? All of these things that were incredibly time consuming in the past that level of research is uh what could be 100 percent outsourced away to uh to ai and i think this uh, this goes for any field right like we like crawl data we're focused on how do we provide the simplest most accurate most secure way for any employee to use ai to make smart decisions right but i don't i my argument is that 
you don't even need a platform like Corel Data or uh, to use an agency like Ready Set Rocket to figure this out. Like you can use it for your day-to-day stuff. I use it literally by taking a picture of my fridge and figuring out what am I going to make the kids for dinner sometimes, right? Like, or mm-hmm. how do I uh, how do I build a shopping list based on a few things that the kids have been saying that they wanted to try or eat the following week, right? Like that's uh, that's how I'm using it. It's literally uh, it's really sort of augmenting research mm-hmm. for me. I think is really the number one place to start. And, and and you outed me, as most of my audience knows. I, I do use, you know, ChatGPT for the majority to come up with questions as well as, hey, what did that article really mean? And one of the – I have a small tactic on my um, – on our podcast that we do every week. And one of the small tactics was, you know, sometimes I, I don't understand a lot of what's going on. I'll copy and paste it and throw it right in there and just say, Hey, explain this to me. Like I'm a middle schooler and it, you know, it's the simplest things like that. So for you even saying, you know, for research purposes and condensing everything, it really, that is a great one because I, I use that as well. And so that, that that's very, a very, very solid piece of advice there. Well, I got one final question for you. And let's have some fun with this because we always talk about our accolades and, you know, hey, you did all these great things. You've started a company. But, you know, what was your biggest prediction failure? You know, what is something you saw coming down the line that ended up not happening? Oh, man. I I, just won. I mean, I feel like I've had this in uh, sort of a lot of areas. I would say that the biggest one was Google Glass. So uh, Ready to Rocket, we did the first campaign for any brand using Google Glass. And I thought Google Glass was going to absolutely take over. It just made sense, right? You put glasses on and it hits the computer. And uh, it gives you information that's relevant to you. Uh, And uh, I was so wrong. Like, I don't think that uh, sort of like humans were ready for it Mm -hmm. at that time. I think it just, we weren't ready for it. And I feel like I have a ton of examples where I've, uh, I thought by now autonomous vehicles would be absolutely all over the place too. Mm-hmm. And uh, I also don't think we were ready for it because we have, uh, you know, uh, we would have a fatality or an accident and that would be absolutely devastating. But the numbers sort of like, the numbers don't pan out from uh, how many fatalities we can remove from just leveraging fully autonomous vehicles uh, through our, throughout our highways. Right. Mm. So I feel like I think a lot of my mistakes and sort of miscalculations have always been around. Are we ready for it? Yep. I I would agree with that. Now, you know, obviously the Google glass, you had mentioned that earlier. Are you, are you guys looking to do anything with the new meta glasses that are coming out uh, or have been out? I think they're partnering. I can't remember. It's either Ray-Bans or someone else, but they're partnering with them to come out with like a Google Glass. Um, uh, I think we're, after my last lesson, I think we're being very cautious these days fair, about fair. any more glasses. <laughs> but uh, I think what's, <laughs> that's a good question. I feel like most of our, both at Ready, Set, Rocket and at Corel Data, most of our focus has been on how do we use AI to drive business transformation, right? So uh, I think that's our innovation and technology team. So that's really what they're focused on. So how do we make sure that every organization can use AI to their advantage 
as a competitive, as a true competitive advantage, right? And so on the ready, set, rocket side, it's done through services, right? So service-driven business transformation working with, with the Fortune 500. On the Corral data side, it's product-driven uh, transformation, connecting all of your data and being able to ask any questions you want about it, right? So I think those are the two things that I'm absolutely focused on, but maybe, uh, maybe I'll get back into glasses uh, <laughs> once so. <laughs> we'll see how that pans out. Then. When it becomes mainstream, I'll be sure to hit you back when up becomes, and, and say, "Hey, did, did did you get it this time?" Right? <laughs> so, yeah, no, I missed the boat. Yep, yep. Well, Alex, I appreciate your time. I wanted to give you a last uh, minute, half minute to a minute, to just kind of plug Coral, Corral Data as well as Ready Set Rocket. Um, so the floor is yours for the next little bit, and I appreciate the time. Yeah, yeah, uh, I appreciate it, and thanks for having me on. Yeah. As I mentioned, I think where the biggest opportunities lie for brands or how do we use AI for a competitive advantage and things that would typically take uh, incredibly a ton of data engineering, data science, data analytics resources are now absolutely simple to uncover. So at Ready, Set, Rocket, a lot of this is how do you drive business transformation through AI and we provide full teams that go into organizations to help them do this business transformation. And at Corral Data, we are really focused on this uh, approach of just connecting all of your data. Very simply, without a single data engineer or data scientist, you click connect, you plow through all of your data, uh, data sources, and bam, you're able to have any conversations you want to have about your data, ask any questions you want, make any decisions you want. Um, and we're able to do that within minutes. And that's been an absolute game changer, especially doing this um, accurately and securely, which I think is going to obviously be the next determinant of how we use AI. But thanks for having me on. Thank you, Alex. Really appreciate it. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks to the audience for listening. And we will catch you on the next episode. Thank you.